are listening to episode four of Justice, Mercy, Faith, a podcast from The Christian Citizen. In this episode, enjoy Christian Citizen contributors Martha Bettis-Key with her essay, The Power of Practicing Presence, Young Children and Faith Formation, as read by Christian Citizen editor Curtis Ramsey Lucas. Lynn Ross on Clean Water for Haiti, a partnership between First Baptist Church Cadillac and First Baptist Church Cap Haitian. And the Reverend Mindy Welton Mitchell returns to the podcast with her essay, Learning from Fiction. Martha Bettis-Key is an educator, editor, and writer with a lifelong passion for ministering with and for children. Retired in 2012 from Presbyterian Church USA, where she served for 26 years developing curriculum materials and working on children's ministries and advocacy. Her piece, The Power of Practicing Presence, is read here by Curtis Ramsey Lucas. There are literally thousands of books, blogs, Facebook pages, and other internet resources on child development, each one clamoring for a parent's attention. These resources seek to provide advice on the whole universe of how to parent, from breastfeeding, sleep training, and making baby food, to the best toys and books to cultivate a baby's intelligence. Yet when it comes to a child's spiritual growth, parents often feel ill-equipped. Most parents or other primary caregivers yearn for their children to experience home as spiritually formative, but they may be uncertain about exactly what that means. The idea that they might be their children's first spiritual teachers can be daunting for adults who have doubts about their own understanding of faith. They may equate a role of spiritual teacher with the kinds of intentional, systematic learning they experienced in Sunday school. As important as the context of formal Christian education is, Marjorie J. Thompson urges us to embrace a foundational vision for faith formation that is both profound and simple. In her book, Family, the Forming Center, Thompson characterizes the family as a sacred shelter for the sake of the world God loves. She further suggests that we can reflect God's love in our families by focusing on basic spiritual practices grounded in relationship, practices that are built into the very fabric and structure of family life. How do primary caregivers begin to expand the ways in which they nurture young children's faith formation through relationships? Thompson suggests that one way is through presence. An adult can nurture a baby's growing sense of connectedness, simply making time to be fully present. Attending fully has always been challenging for adults, who are often exhausted by the responsibility of caring for a tiny human, coupled with the need to meet the normal demands of daily living. However, these days, being present to one's child is further complicated by the reality that digital media is as ubiquitous as the air we breathe. Media constantly at one's fingertips presents serious competition to the 24-7 demands of parenting. Adults whose attention is focused on a tiny glowing screen need to understand the power of attending just as fully to their young children. How does one practice presence? Amid attending to the small tasks of childcare, a parent can look for moments when deep connections are possible. A mother can notice the intensity of a nursing baby's loving gaze as he locks eyes with her in the wee hours of the morning. A father can slow down and pay attention when during diapering the infant reaches for his finger. Later, we might make ourselves fully present to a toddler as she stops on a walk to examine a leaf, experiencing wonder at its intricacy and beauty. Choosing to take cues from our children's capacity for complete focus 
and listening closely to their comments can help us share in their wonder at the created world. Will a caregiver be fully present every time these possibilities present themselves? Of course not. Young parents need the good news that being fully present to their children is not feasible, let alone possible, all the time. But spiritual formation is a partnership in which the Holy Spirit is at work in and through parents as well as through their children. The more times a parent does attend, the more often the Spirit may work to enhance presence in the lives of parent and child. The more a parent can experience presence as a holy moment, the less he or she may be tempted to stray to a cell phone screen. For adults who feel less than conversant with the Bible or whose prayer life may be limited or even non-existent, Parenting a young child offers the opportunity to enrich the life of the entire family by engaging in simple, intentional spiritual practices, ways to practice encountering God in the Bible, or to connect with God through prayer. These more intentional practices also offer opportunities for enhancing the Spirit's powerful shaping by practicing presence. Here are just a few suggestions that may spark other ideas. For those who are less than familiar with the Bible, Reading from a good Bible storybook, such as Growing in God's Love, a story Bible, allows them to encounter God in the story alongside their young child. Adults can listen to their child's questions and comments with the understanding that an honest I don't know, let's find out, or what do you think, is always okay. This practice can move adults to the foundational stories in the Bible and enhance their knowledge of the scriptures. Adults and children alike can practice their prayer life, learning naturally through simple table graces. If the practice of saying grace is begun when the child is still an infant, it will grow to be a part of a family's life together as the child grows. They may choose to use a blessing they remember from childhood or locate one from a book such as J. Bradley Wigger's Together We Pray, a prayer book for families. Another simple practice that primary caregivers can initiate when a child is still very young is called examine. After lighting a candle on the table, each adult mentions moments from the day that were life-giving and those that were life-draining. As children learn to talk, these moments can be referred to as glads and sads. The formation that takes place in and through the life of the family truly is the foundation for a child's spiritual growth. Parents can take heart in the good news that while no one can be fully present all the time to a young child, there is one whose presence is abiding in and through the mundane events of our lives, both good and bad. All who care about families and about children can give thanks for that presence, seeking to be ever more attuned to the Spirit's work. For more on faith formation in children, see workshop number 304. Young Children and Faith Formation by Martha Bettis G., the newest offering in the Home Mission Society's Workshops for Church Life and Leadership, which can be found at abhms.org slash resources slash workshops. Lynn Ross leads the Haiti Clean Water Mission Team at First Baptist Church in Cadillac, Michigan. To donate or for more information, contact Lynn at haitycleanwater.org at gmail.com. For many of us, clean water is so plentiful and readily available that we rarely, if ever, pause to consider what life would be like without it. Marcus Samuelson. If you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. 
Matthew 10, 42, NLT. In July 2012, the Haiti Mission Team from First Baptist Church, Cadillac, Michigan, made our first trip to Cap Haitian, Haiti. The 12 of us were given the task of providing a vacation Bible school for 150 Haitian children. We fell in love with the Haitian people during our week there. It was obvious that the people of Cap Haitian had many needs, but three basic ones stood out, waste management, latrines, and clean drinking water. We learned that as many as one in six Haitian children will not live to see their fifth birthday due to waterborne illness. We wanted to serve God not only spiritually, but also serve our brethren in a tangible way. Through prayer, we decided to do something, no matter how small, about clean water. We researched what had been done in the area for clean water and what would be an efficient way to provide clean water. We found that many wells had been dug but were in disrepair or contaminated. We also learned about biosand water filter, which is a simple, natural way to filter water. It is practical to use and maintain. The biosand water filter uses sand and gravel to filter the water, and each filter serves at least 10 people for 10 years. It is being used all over the world, including Port-au-Prince, but not in northern Haiti. We presented the Biosand Water Project idea to our Haitian partners who agreed that this would be beneficial. We made the need known to people in the Cadillac area and planned to start with 30 filters. God saw it differently and we started with 100 filters. In 2014, we made two trips to Cap Haitian. Before we made the first trip, we sent two Haitian members from the First Baptist Church, Cap Haitian, to Port-au-Prince for bio-sand water filter training. These two men volunteered their time, and after training, they recruited and formed the Haiti Clean Water Cap Haitian team. When we arrived in March 2014, we met the team of five workers. We participated in training these five workers on how to prepare the sand and gravel for the filters and how to install them in homes. They began in-home installation shortly after our first visit. During the second trip in the fall of 2014, we concentrated on getting a follow-up plan in place to ensure that installed filters were functioning correctly and being used properly. We also instituted a bilingual set of forms for record keeping and a system for information sharing. We met some of the families who received the filter. They told us of their improved health and asked how their neighbors could also receive a filter. Since our initial setup, we travel to Haiti once or twice a year to meet with our Haitian team and check out how the project is going. The Haitian team is doing a fantastic job. Haiti Clean Water continues to prepare the sand and gravel for the filters and place the filters in homes, schools, and orphanages. At this time, we have 1,100 filters in Haiti. Through a grant, we built a building on church property for the project. This year, through generous donations, we were able to purchase a three-wheeler 
to help transport the filters and 100 pounds of sand and gravel to the installation sites. Each filter cost $128, which includes employment for five Haitians. Without the Haitian workers, we would have to ship sand and gravel, which would be very expensive. Each family in Haiti contributes what they can toward their filter, usually between two and $5 per filter. Not only are we able to provide clean water, but also gainful employment for our Haitian workers and their families in the area where unemployment rates are as high as 80%. The Reverend Mindy Welton Mitchell is pastor of Queen Anne Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington, and ministry associate of social media for the Evergreen Association of American Baptist Churches USA. She's a regular contributor to The Christian Citizen and is here reading her latest piece, Learning from Fiction. During seminary and my first 10 years of ministry, I rarely read any fiction. Works from theology to ethics and later books on church revitalization and changing culture all took up my time. I was committed to growing as a faithful Christian pastor, but even as I enjoyed some of the books I read, I found that my old love of reading from childhood and youth was fading away. A few years ago, I made a change and started reading more fiction again. The insights in various genres literary, historical, romance, science fiction, and fantasy, all have led me to think differently about the questions we wrestle with theologically. Getting out of the ideological and practical headspaces and into a place where I was led on an adventure was not only a relief, it was a delight. Reflecting back on the books I read for fun the last two years, the stories that still stick in my mind wrestle with the issues of forming community making meaning and discovering our identity as faithful people in a new context, and creating new rituals for a rapidly changing world. These are all topics I could easily pick up from a book in a Christian bookstore or by doing a search online for books on church and society. Instead, I found them in science fiction. Just as I was raised in an American Baptist church, I was raised by parents who were science fiction fans, and the genre has stuck with me. Martha Wells' series, The Murderbot Diaries, quartet of novellas about artificial intelligence in a futuristic society begins with all systems read. A security robot has managed to hack itself and in its quest to understand who it is among a human society, finds it would rather binge watch its favorite show than do its job. Sometimes the robot misses what's happening right in front of it because it's too engaged in the serial drama as it has become hooked on. In a future galaxy where there are augmented humans who receive messages and entertainment right through their implants and robots intermingling with humans, Wells' dry commentary on what it means to be human and what it means to form genuine relationships when there are a multitude of ways to escape is humorous and jarring. While we are stuck to our screens binge-watching Netflix, sometimes we miss what's going on in the world. But also, sometimes what's on Netflix is a needed momentary release from the troubles on the news and around us. Still, as Murderbot learns through the final book in the series, Exit Strategy, we need others in our life. We need community, a unit that we belong to. One thing I hear as a pastor in Seattle is that while people may not be going to church in the traditional sense, they are still in search of community, a place of belonging. They are still searching for their people. How we make that possible in a world of seeming disconnect is not only a challenge, but a necessity as technology and society quickly changes around us. The Expanse series, currently at seven books, 
there will be nine when it is completed, is also an incredibly popular TV show, saved by Amazon after being canceled on the Sci-Fi Channel. The Expanse begins with Leviathan Wakes, in our own solar system about 200 years in the future. A world of political intrigue and power plays, the themes of colonization and oppression continue into our future. However, what is unique about The Expanse is that the writers have not ignored religion. In so many versions of the future, think Star Trek, religion is rarely a theme, and when it is raised, it is often seen as a sign that the culture has not evolved. In The Expanse, the military still has chaplains. There is a synagogue on one of the asteroid belt stations. There are Muslim women wearing hijabs, Mormon missionaries heading out into space, and in the third book, in season three, Abaddon's Gate, there is a young Methodist minister, Anna, who wrestles with her own theological questions of God's plan and purpose for humanity. The Expanse offers a future where God is still sought, where Christian faith, among others, are still practiced, and the questions surrounding colonialism and oppression are still wrestled with as new settlements are formed. Becky Chambers writes a different future for humanity in the Wayfarer series. In the third installment, Record of the Spaceborn Few, Humanity struggles to find meaning and purpose beyond the solar system. The Exodus fleet has taken humanity away from the planet we once called home. As new planets and peoples are discovered, there are still those who don't want to leave the fleet. Called Exodens, they form a new identity and culture, rituals around death and burial, their own liturgies and sense of sacred practice and leadership. As our own society continues to change, what can we learn about the need to adapt and create new rituals, new practices of faith, and expand our sense of identity as faithful people beyond the church? Even if science fiction isn't your place to explore and wonder, fiction in general offers us an opportunity to reflect on the world from an outside place. If we read only nonfiction, only books about topics that we ought to be reading about, we miss the opportunity to be surprised. We miss the opportunity for God the Creator to be creative in our imagination, to reveal to us new insights and space to ask questions. We ought to keep reading theology, sociology, and books relevant to the conversations we are having about being faithful in this changing world. Sometimes you'll find those in a different section of the library or bookstore than you expected. That concludes this episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith. Thank you to this week's contributors, Martha Bettesky, Lynn Ross, and the Reverend Mindy Welton Mitchell. Our theme music is Believable Too by Peter Sandberg. The Christian Citizen is edited by Curtis Ramsey Lucas and is a publication of the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. We'll be back with a new episode of Justice, Mercy, Faith on March 12th. To learn more about The Christian Citizen, visit the website christiancitizen.us. Until next time, I'm Joshua Kagi. Thanks for listening.